Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast after the second round of the NFL Draft. I'm Greg Rogan with the Houston Chronicle, joined by Texans beat writer Brooks Cabina. Brooks, thanks for uh, making time for us on another late night after uh, two rounds of the draft. This one's uh, just as late as the last, and we've got plenty more to talk about. Nick Cassara and the Texans have pulled all their tricks. I mean, they've, they've pulled off trades. They've gone up for players. They've made surprise picks. It'll be interesting to see how day three goes for a second there, and I'm kind of joking. I wondered if we'd just see the rest of the picks just get traded so then they'd go back into the third round, and then the draft would be over, and then we wouldn't have to talk about this. <laughs> but no, we'll, I, but I think fun. you still have some stuff to do on Saturday, but <laughs> I, I am curious about the first thing I want to ask you. The Texans drafted Jalen Petrie, the Baylor safety who's from Stafford, That's right. with the fifth pick of the second round, 37th overall. The Jets traded up to get Brees Hall, the Iowa State running back at number 36. Had the Jets not done that, do you think the Texans would have taken Brees Hall in that spot? So it's a good question. I, I mean, that's what I we just got done talking with Nick Casario. And I, I asked that question with him because I was curious about running back because that's the one thing the Texans haven't picked yet, running back. And that was their biggest issue on the offense last year. They're the worst um run game in the franchise history. And uh, I thought what was revealing, so Casario talked a little bit about his process. So to begin the day, uh, they had 10 to 15 players in a cluster uh, that they organized before the draft of guys they wanted to draft. And, uh, you know, I asked how diverse that position group is and specific to running back, whether there was someone in there that they wanted and whether people traded up and uh, got in their way. And he said, you know, that that wasn't the case. People were moving up ahead and he isn't that you know, they didn't know what he had. He's not that smart and that, you know, just they wanted the guys and they were going to pick where they were at when, when it came to those trades. Uh, you know, that's what he said. Um, so, um, you know, that's where we're, 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 we're at with that. So, I mean, I, I think that means the running backs that were there in relation to the players that they selected, like Jalen Petrie, we can assume is a higher graded player for the Texans. And uh, they, they've got so many other needs throughout this team uh, that, they're really looking for the best available. So um, I, I, I'm thinking about it again in terms of people trading ahead of them. I know we talked about this yesterday whenever, um, you know, the Saints and the Lions traded ahead of the Texans to grab wide receivers, Chris Olave and Jamison Williams, and maybe the Texans would have picked a wide receiver had that been there. Um, maybe that was a little bit different yesterday than it was today in the process for Casario and the Texans, but um, I think they needed a safety. Uh, this secondary was horrible last year. Um, they gave up many plays, many deep balls. There were uh, only two other teams in the NFL that gave up more explosive plays at 20 plus yards at a more frequent pace than the Texans. So, you know, they get Derek Stingley at one side of the corner and they get Jalen Petrie. who can do a lot of things, uh, help out in the secondary, but also he was a, he was a very versatile player who was a dominant turnover machine, which Lovey Smith will love. Um, he, had uh, two interceptions and three forced fumbles, three forced uh, fumble recoveries. And uh, I think he fits well into the defense. So, um, I mean, there's running backs left on the board. And Casario said kind of unprompted at one point throughout the press conference that, you know, James White was a great player in the fourth round. So there are guys left. They have a fourth round pick left at 107. So they're going to be picking, I think, second in the fourth round. So, uh, they could be making a guy uh, running back right there. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. 
one of the comparisons I've seen for Jalen Petrie is uh, Tyron Matthew, the former LSU safety who spent a year with the Texans. He spent the past three years with the Chiefs. Is Justin Reed another comparable to Jalen Petrie when you look at the impact that Justin Reed had as a rookie here in Houston? You know, I th- I think it would have been interesting to see Justin Reed in another season with the Texans because I think once they started feeling around him and what they might be able to do with him as a versatile player when there's more help around the board. You, you see in defenses, especially in NFL with struggling teams, a lot of the times they're leaning coverages and moving people into places to make up for lapses that are elsewhere. Um, and I think we saw that a lot with Justin Reed last year. I, I could think of the Colts game. One of their plans going into that was uh, they were going to bring down a safety and split them in half. One would come up to stop the run. One would step back to try and do that. And they used Justin Reed for a lot of that. And it didn't work. And that had a lot to do with the struggles they had in the rest of the defense. Uh, so I think they attempted to do that. I, 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 I just haven't seen Justin Reed fully in a system that can best use him. Um, and that'll be really interesting once they see the Chiefs. And you can make the comparison that he is a Tyron Matthew type because the Chiefs are the ones who acquired him and Matthew's still the one looking for a job. So I think those things are definitely on the table. And the connecting piece between them all is LSU. And uh, not that Dave Aranda, who's the coach at Baylor, former defensive coordinator, coached Matthew, but um, he did coach Petrie and he did coach another guy in the NFL, Grant Delpit, who I think has that hybrid skill as well. Uh, so I think Petrie can definitely do those things. He said he could play safety, could play nickel corner, but I think nickel may mean a little bit different um, in this scheme, and uh, we'll see. And I really am curious. I really am because uh, about what this defense is going to be because Lovey Smith does not like being pigeonholed into cover two, and he just likes to run zone. Um, I do think that they are going to and have been already doing a lot more different things to keep up with the changes in the offense and they need good secondary players to compete in the NFL. And they just picked up two good ones. With their second, second round pick, the Texans traded up and drafted John Mechie, the Alabama receiver who suffered a torn ACL in the SEC championship game against Georgia in December. Are they confident this guy will be ready for training camp or is this a red shirt year for him? He was, was he just, too talented, they couldn't pass him up? Yeah, I mean, I think all of those things are on uh, probably true to some degree. I mean, we got two opposing, well, not opposing, but two different answers. One um, from John Mechie, who was pretty definitive. He said, I'll be back in July. And when I say I'll be back in July, that's full go football. And uh, he says he's already been running, making cuts, uh, getting prepared. And then whenever uh, Nick Casario was talking about him to, later tonight, he said not to put – complete stock in that because they want to be patient with him and see how he goes. So, I mean, once he gets in to the Texans facility, I mean, they've already done their homework on him as a, as a, as a player and his, in his health, but um, they want to make sure that he's ready and not, not going too quickly on this. Um, I mean, in December he tore his ACL. So it's been four months. Typically you start to see these things come back in around nine months and it's getting quicker. There are a lot of players getting back quicker nowadays um i don't think it's out of the realm to think that he'd be ready by the time the season begins but they definitely don't seem like they want to rush it into training camp i mean this is a team that has a long time to go before they're really really competitive at least in my estimation and um, they definitely don't want to uh force a retear or anything worse 
with a player who's going to help them. And he could help them whenever he plugs in maybe game four or five. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of where this goes. And uh, I, I think Mechie probably wants to say he's ready because he's a football player who wants to play ball, especially earn game checks. And not that he wouldn't while, uh, you know, not not uh, playing or being prepared to go. Um, but um, I, I think he's probably – more on the aggressive and Casario and the Texans brass would be more on the conservative with the player. They just traded up and use a lot of capital to acquire. Where would Mechie slot in, in a receiver core, you know, led by Brandon cooks. And you also have Nico Collins, second year man. They took in the third round last year. Well, they didn't really have a slot receiver uh, throughout all of last year. I mean, it was a rotating cycle of these guys. And I know it was a different offense. Tim Kelly was the offensive coordinator. They just moved to Pep Hamilton, promoted him up from quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. But a lot of this will remain somewhat the same. But I think Mechie, you look at what he was with in Alabama. I mean, think of all the wide receivers that were that were there while he was there. Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, uh, Henry Ruggs. I mean, they're all blending in my head as I'm trying to put all their Jaylen names together. Jalen Smith, yeah, they're just yeah, and a whole John bunch John Mechie, I remember in the 2019 game, and I covered LSU at the time, and LSU was playing Alabama, and Mechie was like the fourth receiver on that squad. So, I mean, the way that they were uh, running them around, he was playing inside, he could play outside. I think he fits more on the inside with some of his speed. But that's what the Texans need. He's got that that frame. He can fit into it. I think he can open up things for Cooks on the outside and Nico Collins as well. Um, and it's it's definitely a need that they had in their offense that they were lacking last year. And those are the things that can help you downfield. I mean, they had one of the – um, least frequent downfield passing games in the NFL last year. And Mechie can help them with that. Uh, I think a lot of that does come from the inside where they've been lacking it recently. The Texans stay in Tuscaloosa for their third round pick at 75th overall, Christian Harris, the Alabama linebacker. What can you tell us about him and how he fits in here? I think this also hits on a big need for the Texans and we could talk about all of those. The run defense was not good last year. It was second worst in the NFL. You look at the linebacker group here. I, I think when you look at the the rookies that have been drafted so far, most of them seem to be like they could probably start right away. He's the first one that I looked at and said, okay, maybe he steps in there. He's obviously talented, and Lovey Smith clearly loves him. There was a tweet that the Texans sent out that Lovey Smith gave Nick Casera a big old bear hug, and that was because of Christian Harris's pick. And the other thing, and I'm already talking about what I haven't even said yet in my head, uh, I'm already conflicting it because Casario said that he was one of the 10 to 15 players that they had going into day two uh, that they were ready to draft and they were surprised he was available where they picked him. So, I mean, they, they clearly grade him highly, um, but I do think whenever they re-sign Christian Kirksey, he fits in uh, to, what they, to what they view as a starting Mike linebacker. Uh, who goes beside him, I think, is more up for a question. Kama Grugier-Hill had a good year last year, uh, but they signed him to a one-year deal, which doesn't really inspire long-term confidence. But there are other guys like Neville Hewitt, others, and we can go down the list. Harris could go into it and maybe learn a little bit while he was there. I mean, he'll obviously come in and try and start and prove himself. Um, but I, I, I think it's also interesting just by the locality of all of this, um, it seems like all that Nick Casario needed to do was go watch Alabama and Texas A&M play and boom, he had all the players he needed. Um, but you know, the other thing is Christian Harris went to 
uh, University Lab High School in Baton Rouge, which is 10 miles away from the Dunham School where Derek Stingley went. They knew each other. They were on the same seven-on-seven team in high school. They worked out together. Um, and in leading up to the draft process, they were at Exos together, training facility. They know each other very well. Um, and he was a disruptive linebacker, a good run stopper for Alabama, which is exactly what the uh, Texans need. And there's obviously a sh- shared respect between Casario and Nick Saban, one of the most successful coaches of all time and defensive minds in football. And how I think you think about the connection between Belichick and Saban, who coached together in the defenses that they um, have run, I think that has leaked into a bit of Casario's defensive philosophy as well and what he sees in a linebacker. And I think Harris fits those things, and it clearly fits what Smith has. So um, they clearly like him. He was high up on their grades, and we'll see uh, – We'll see how much he's able to plug in immediately with a really crowded linebacker room. I know you've been hyper-focused on the Texans the last two days, understandably. I One interesting trend I thought in this draft, we hear so much about how quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, yet we only had one quarterback picked until the third round. Yeah, and then you had Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral. They all went in the third round, and there was talk about Malik Willis and Matt Corral going in the first round, you know, throughout the pre-draft run-up, which makes you wonder how much of the pre-draft run-up is, you know, worth anything. But is that a is that a deal where this was just a weak quarterback crop in most teams' eyes? I mean, Kenny Pickett, the only first rounder, and to see guys like Willis and Corral basically fall off a cliff was kind of surprising, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to show how much of an idiot I am. I mean, I had Malik. Willis in at number six with the Panthers for the first four mocks that I did. Um, I mean, going into the NFL combine, there was a consensus that there wasn't a top 10 quarterback and there really wasn't that many first round quarterbacks. So we went very deep into kind of, I think, a collective group think of like, oh, hey, you know, teams really want quarterbacks. And I think that gets spun around between what people, information people are throwing out to try and manufacture some sort of quarterback interest so that maybe the trade market ramps up because that's what makes the trade market in most drafts that quarterbacks are there and you can institute uh, some really good returns and also throw up some smoke screens for some people. And we also saw, saw some smoke screen say that five times fast with uh Kayvon Thibodeau at two with the lions. So, and that, there was one wild mock draft that I saw that the lions were picking Malik Willis. So we went from Malik Willis and at least, one expert's opinion at number two to way back. So I think really this reset us to where we believed the quarterbacks were whenever we were watching the college football season last year, watching it and saying, there isn't anybody here. So there's a, I think Kenny Pickett kind of is uh, there because the Pittsburgh Steelers definitely felt like they needed a quarterback. Everyone else was kind of in a situation where like, all right, we've got one, but uh, do we really need to go and reach for one right now? And everybody decided no. I don't think that's what we're going to do. So uh, I think they're probably appropriately graded uh, where they, they, they landed. And uh, we'll see if we run into that uh, in the future. But definitely next year, we're going to see a lot of first-round quarterbacks. And we won't see as much smokescreen about, you know, hey, this guy's going to be in the top 10 when they're really not supposed to be. Let's finish up by setting the stage for Saturday. The Texans have five picks as of now. One fourth-rounder two fifth rounders and two sixth rounders. How many of those picks do you actually see them using? And is it likely at this stage, we'll see them draft a running back at some point, maybe take a flyer on a quarterback just to see if they can find a backup to Davis mills. 
I don't see them taking a quarterback. And I, I honestly wonder about the sixth round picks and whether they'll use those too. And it's a good question because, you know, you see what they've done in the, in the past two days. I mean, they've already been three trades. Last week I asked Casario about late round picks and how the Patriots had a penchant for trading them. Um, quite frequently in the last five years that he was with the Patriots, they, they traded both a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder, if not multiple um, in every year of those. So I, I expect they'll do that with the sixths that they have remaining. They have number 205 and number 207 back to back. That's some positioning there that I think some other teams would value. Um, but I also remember Casario saying last week that, you know, they had 80 to 100 players that they were thinking of being drafted for them. And that whenever you look up at sixth and seventh, he was talking about that, that there really wasn't that many people that they had grades on. So maybe they don't want to be positioned in those spots where they don't have players available and they just want to package those and move up. That all depends on if the other teams do have grades for people back there and they want to go and go for that. So uh, I, I think the major needs that are still there for the Texans. So they've got, they've got five more picks, a fourth, two fifths and a two sixths. They haven't gone for a running back. They haven't gone for a defensive lineman. They could use another offensive lineman. Um, and I think as long as they go for those, that's that requires three picks. And I'd be really surprised. I'd be shocked I'd, 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 if they didn't go for running back with the first one that they had tomorrow, 107. Just go ahead and go for it um, because I, there's a big gap of picks between then and the rest. There's 60 picks in between those, basically. And how many running backs are going to be gone by the time that goes? I, I just I just don't see them not picking a running back there because if they don't, then they're going to have to package the others and trade up to go and acquire one because I just think the run will happen and there there won't be as many there. So, um, yeah, I think I think as long that they, they could even really realistically use two running backs. I, I, I just think there's so much that they need at that, and especially with the uh, offensive issues they had there to try and figure out the rest of it. You know, that needs to be addressed. They can't realistically go into training camp with Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead as their top two running backs, can they? I, I don't. I just don't think you can. Not with the question marks you have around Marlon Mack. I mean, he was great. Uh, I mean, he was above average. He was good. He had uh, you know, close to two thousand yards in two seasons with the Colts, going into uh, the year where he tore his uh, Achilles tendon, and then after that, they had Jonathan Taylor, and then he wasn't really needed anymore. So you didn't really get to see much from him last year. So you still have a question about him and his contract isn't really that large. And Rex Burkhead's going into his 12th season and he rushed for 427 yards and was part of the worst running game that they ever had. So, I mean, they need to do that. And it almost makes me wonder, I'm like, okay, if they don't pick a running back, where are the positions that who's getting traded, right? Like who's getting traded for a running back? Does that mean that, you know, now they have all these linebackers that one of them, whoever doesn't make it in training camps, can get packaged with a sixth and traded for some running back somewhere else. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, they have to get a running back, in my opinion. I just, I, it's, it's really strange if they didn't do that. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Brooks Cabina, thanks very much for your time. Rest up. You got an early day on Saturday with the uh, last four rounds of the draft. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. And you know, I, I'm so tired. I didn't even really remember that they had another. I mean, Darrow. Dare Agunbowale, they had from the Jaguars. I mean, they had him in camp before and they liked him. So that's another running back that they picked up. That's more than what they had last year. 
And I'm not saying that gives them, you know, a lot of depth on running back. That's just another person with another question mark and also points out that they probably need somebody in the backfield that has um, a little more projection for them. Very good. We'll be on running back watch Saturday. Thank you for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. For more Texans and Houston sports coverage, please go to HoustonChronicle.com slash sports.